0: Your customer's data privacy is important, but so is personalization. Learn how to balance both so you can optimize your ad performance and scalability with Adobe and Meta. Adobe's real-time customer data platform collects and aggregates customer data across channels, helping you build actionable, unified customer profiles. Meta Conversions API creates a direct connection between your marketing data and marketing systems. This helps you better measure results and improve your ad targeting within Meta Technologies. Find out more at unlockmarketingdata.com. Increase conversion rates and create privacy-safe targeted ads. Adobe and Meta give you the tools to future-proof your data strategy to go beyond third-party cookies. Visit unlockmarketingdata.com to get started. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Tech Magic, the podcast where we talk about everything happening in innovation, gaming, anything in technology, AI, of course, and you name it, spatial computing as well. <laughs> uh, I am your host, Kathy Hackle. Uh, I am back from being at in Davos during the World of Economic forms. Um, meeting and I am thrilled to be joined by my guest co-host Lee Keebler. Lee, how are you?
1: I'm great. Today we're great. Uh, Amazing. yeah. While you were in, in at, in, at Davos, uh, like the entire Pacific Northwest was under like a, a, a layer of ice. We've had the, it was, this was a traumatic week, honestly, out here. I'm just glad to, <laughs> to, to have power to be totally honest.
0: Well, it was actually. Hats off to you and Lily, our producer, because I listened to the episode and I had so much fun. And I'm like, wow, nice. like the weather sounds dreadful. I mean, I was in the Swiss Alps, but it was beautiful. I have to oh, do it was so yet. pretty. It was so
1: pretty. It was. It was just like the land of the slip and slide. I hated the last <laughs> week. It was just horrible. We had we had people at the house because like their power went out, and somehow wow. we kept ours. It was like. I don't know why it's not all over the news. The wow. We just got obliterated out here. But I kept my internet and we kept our power. So I kept my sanity to some extent. Uh, I'm just glad that it's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, at least week. you
0: had internet. Like, so, <laughs> um, I, you know, I was in Davos, right? I was at DLD, which was a fantastic conference. And we're going to share a link to my talk on spatial computing and AI wearables. Yes. They're DLD hands down. Anyone listen to this? And I, I think we should have Steffi Cerny. Um, There's uh the main person at, uh, at DLD, come and join us and talk about their events. Amazing. Super amazing event in Munich every January. Highly recommend to everyone. So I was there. Then went over to Davos with the DLD delegation. Uh, I ended up staying in an Airbnb near Davos Platz, so very close to all the activity. You know, tiny little apartment. They were charging a lot of money per night. That's okay. But no Wi-Fi. No hmm. Wi-Fi. Like, I didn't even... You know, like I check in and I'm there, and I'm like, message the host, and I'm like, hey, you know, um, how do I log into the Wi-Fi? He's like, oh, we don't have any Wi-Fi. I'm like, what? Like. Like, how does this even happen?
1: Um, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I kind of feel like if your if your spot is online, your spot should be online, right? Yeah. Like if you can find <laughs> the rental online, that's kind of a given. Oh my um gosh.
0: Yeah. So I did have yeah. it happen
1: once, but it was like in a remote cabin way in like the the mountains of of, of Seattle uh, near the near the ice caves, and I was just like, yeah, I'm surprised they even have electricity out here. So like, I went. In, I, I get it at some particular level, but yeah, if you're, well, I mean, if you're, if you're, you're there, in
0: a cabin you're, and you're trying to disconnect right. and do digital detox, that's to be expected. Like that's fine. But I'm literally like, how am I in this like very expensive Airbnb in the <laughs> middle of this really important meeting and I have no wifi. Um, so yeah, a little traumatized from that experience, but, but you know, overall great experience going back to Davos. Uh, last year I was part of the official program. So it was like very different than this year. This year I went more kind of on the sidelines. And I went very last minute, so it wasn't like I had a lot of, like, speaking or anything. It was more I ended up having Mm -hmm. tons of meetings. And this is what I'll report back, because I told everyone that I was going to report back.
1: Um, Yeah, what's the takeaways here?
0: Takeaways. I mean, definitely, I think geopolitically, there's a lot of instability, like, just a lot of questions geopolitically across everything that's happening. Um, A lot of conversations around artificial intelligence, like I mentioned. It was, like, everywhere. Um, but well, I do let's feel... back up for a
1: second. When you say like geopolitically, what do you what do you mean by that? You're you're you know yeah. We're in I the mean, US. The conflict the in the
0: Middle East, conflict in the Middle East, questions around all the elections that are happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know the president, the new president of Argentina was there. Um, you know it was just it was really interesting. It was just really interesting to listen to everything that was happening, the conversations. Um, you know, questions around elections, there's going to be, there's going to be many elections this year. So there are a lot of questions Mm -hmm. around, you know, election integrity, but also technology and elections. So AI, right. AI and elections, all those sorts of things that was, that kept coming up. Um, Lots of, you know, it's interesting because I saw a lot of people speaking about AI, like almost every panel that I went to outside of the Congress had to do with AI. And sometimes Mm -hmm. there were people, people that I was like, why is that person speaking about AI? Like, not that not only like, not that only some of us can speak about AI. You know, I understand everyone's using Chat GPT on a big, very big portion of the business world is. Right. But sometimes it was interesting, kind of like people were trying to weave in the message where it was like the panel had nothing to do with that. So mm-hmm. um so I don't know. That was a little bit at times a little too much, right? It felt right, like right, right, right. hypey era, like it will like the same thing with the metaverse at CES, uh, you know, a year ago, or everything was metaverse, metaverse, metaverse. Mm-hmm. It felt very similar. Uh, there were, you know, there was an AI house which was fantastic. Their programming was great. Um, lots of great events happening there. Uh, but yeah, I feel like everything, everything on the promenade, which is the street that all the brands take over, the companies take over, like everything was AI, the future. Like it was a was little it positive,
1: too much. or was it? Was it mostly positive, or was it like fear mongering?
0: It was a mix. I think it was a mix. I think it was mm-hmm. mostly positive. I think mostly people were positive. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think there were still questions. uh, You were positive we
1: should be afraid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hear that much like, you know, it's going to ruin everything. It was more like I heard a lot of like these valuations on, you know, these startups are ridiculous or like um, it's exaggerated. um, Or, you know, we shouldn't worry about AGI because it's too far. Some people are like, no AGI is around the corner. Like, um, so I don't know. It wasn't more. It wasn't like it wasn't really a conversation around like, you know. Yeah, he's gonna kill us all, and it's an existential threat. <laughs> it was more, uh, yeah, it was more like you know, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? It's not is war this games gonna... yet. Yeah, no, it wasn't like that. Yeah, it wasn't like you know, Terminator. <laughs> like, it, it was more like, um, it was more like you know, is this good for society? or Is this bad? Is this gonna take jobs away, or is this actually gonna create jobs? Um, you, know, you
1: know, I came to a conclusion with that over the weekend because I had a lot of like downtime while yeah we sat in the dark. Um, <laughs> 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 and thought, uh, it, it, it's a weird argument that I hear. Oh, this is going to take away jobs. It, it, that should be a given, right? Like, yeah. at at some point, the realization is: is all technology, all technology, takes away a job. It also yeah. creates jobs, right? Um, and and that that I think is something that we need to just kind of accept a little bit more, right? Like, even with like the invent the invention of the car that really impacted the, the farrier uh, career paths for a lot of people who were shoeing and trimming horses, right? And But they became mechanics. So every time I hear someone talk about this, it, it, it kind of puts me on on the side of like, well, yeah, of course technology is going to take away a job, but it's also going to create a lot of them. That's literally what technology does.
0: That's my hope though. That, that's my hope that it does create enough jobs does it create enough to replace everyone that's being displaced i don't know because i do see like i don't know about you but like i feel like every week i'm reading about more and more layoffs in the tech space um and it's it keeps getting like lots friends like multiple friends like i'm starting to see that again and again and again and you know for many of us in tech tech used to be the sector where you felt job some level of job security right in the mm. longer term and i think that that is no longer the case
1: That's the case for everything, though, and um, like this might be that might be a little bit of a soapbox for me, but like Mm -hmm. by and large, our uh, my you know my generation, Gen Millennials to Gen Z, which will become Gen Alpha, we have a completely different relationship with like the corporate environment, right? And and it's not just technology; like we all entered the workforce during a down economy in 08 and we had to learn how to bring new technologies into it i rode the wave of social media bringing into you know the the professional workforce and at the end of the day as these companies have continuing looming rolling layoffs like we just have had to learn how to like cope with that and that's not a tech thing that's, no, that's not the a board tech thing. thing i
0: agree I, I also think some of the conversations i had also were around loyalty like why should you have loyalty to a company like that? You know that idea and that concept yeah. that our parents had of like you stay there and you do like no. Like to me, well, it's our like, parents had
1: pensions. I've never yeah yeah. A pension. <laughs> That's
0: true. I couldn't even but like, I honestly. What level you of ask loyalty me what a pension was.
1: I couldn't <laughs> firmly break down what a pension even is, right? Like, at, because <laughs> uh, it's such, it's it's basically a unicorn. I've never been offered one. I've never seen one offered one. I've never even seen one in like as as an option for a job application. Of like, here's what oh, yeah, our benefits no. hold. Like, that's it's a completely different thing. So, really, it's not a question of like I think people asking should I be loyal to a company, but it should be companies asking why should why your should? employees be loyal to you what what is that offer because if it's if it's a competitive pay well it's competitive because there's everyone else's offer and basically the same thing what else for <laughs> it and if it's access to a 401k but no match well that's a problem right like mm-hmm. it, there's just more that needs to be done um yeah but that's not. What or, or I think more about. reality <laughs> of like,
0: yeah, you know, like this is just what I do, nine to five, and yeah, you know, you don't deserve my loyalty, or you know, I, yeah. why should I be loyal to you if I know I could be fired at any moment? So, yeah. uh, there was actually really interesting intergenerational conversations around that. Um, met a, a very few Gen Z folks that were there. Um, very, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I didn't see that much around gaming. How can they afford to go? well you know what last year to be honest last year um we've had like a group of like youtubers that were covering the conference i don't know if they did that this year right Mm -hmm. but i saw very little i did go to an interesting panel on gen z and capitalism and it was interesting because no one on the panel was gen z and one of the girls in the audience was gen z and she's like you guys should have had like a gen z person up here like (laughs) right which i thought was really interesting i said very valid points the first thing i thought of was like You need to have that perspective if you're actually going to be thinking about this, right, or talking about this.
1: It's like Um, having a having a a panel on women in tech, and it's just a bunch of dudes up there. Just a bunch of dudes, yeah.
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. So, I think maybe the label of the panel was a little like it was a different conversation. It was like it should maybe been a different title, Um, but definitely met a couple of Gen Zers that were there. um, Had really interesting conversations with them around their perspectives around technology and creativity Mm. and work. Um, and I, I got into a really good conversation with one of them about personal brand or reputation or all these, you know, branding yourself and all that. And it's interesting because she said, well, most of the, most of the, like some of the Gen Zers that are my friends or some of like, even like Gen Alpha, I look at some of my kids, they're going to come into these corporate jobs, quote unquote, with an audience already set, Mm -hmm. set up. Like they already are going to have an audience. So how is corporate America going to manage the message? If these people are already going to come into the workforce with, you know, followers and people that, that listen to what they're saying, et cetera, right. You can't control you, that idea of, of corporate communications of controlling the message with absolutely everyone and only allowing certain people to speak, I think is going to be harder and harder as the younger generation enters the workforce. So we got into some really interesting conversations around that.
1: Well, as, as millennials take the leadership roles or even like Gen X takes the leadership roles, um, it's up to us to yeah. make sure that we're harboring, like we do get to change things, right? As we yeah. go into yeah, 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 these yeah. positions, uh, you know, and and the old guard switches for the new guard, you have an opportunity to change things. I mean, the old guard brought in the internet and actually signed off mm-hmm. on the papers to push marketing into social media. We can't just yeah. like overlook that. That, That's true. that was a C-suite mm-hmm. decision by the last generation. So our generation has to make the new changes. Um, and, I, and I think that there'll be, really positive. Um, now what they can do to maintain a bottom line and stay a profitable company? Like, yeah, that, that's all part of it. But, uh, uh, only time will tell, but it ultimately is our, it's becoming our responsibility to make yeah. these calls and these mm-hmm. changes within these companies.
0: Well, when you and I were working together at Journey, like most of the, most of the people we had in our virtual team were Gen Zers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Most of them. like, and, and yeah. to me, it was really interesting. I remember, um, I'm part of the fast company impact council. And we were having a conversation and I said, well, I manage mostly Gen Zers. Like, it's a very different um, interaction that I have with them than with, you know, than with maybe if I were managing uh, people of a different demographic. Like I said, my yes. challenges are different, right? My challenge is like, I need to make sure I'm staying on top of everything so that I understand what, you know, how they're working, what they're working, what tools they need to work, like all these sorts of things. mm mm-hmm. So yeah, so like, it's really interesting, really interesting, interesting perspectives had tons of meetings, like you had tons and tons of meetings with, you know, governments with uh, top level C-suite. Um, I think people are starting, it was very quiet in that sense, but very interested in thinking about what happens after, after LLMs, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so most of the conversations that people wanted to have with me were around like, yeah, spatial computing um ai wearables like when you start to put the you know the ai into these devices into hardware and i know mm-hmm. the episode you had with lily was very focused on the tech gadgets and i really enjoyed it <laughs> um you know a lot of conversations around that right because you and i have sp- worked a long time in this space you know i've been mm-hmm. in hardware for for quite a while and um really interesting conversations i was having about that and and kind of what what comes next right what comes after the llm or what what happens when we start to think about how this goes into everything, you know, into all this hardware, et cetera. It's, so. it's funny
1: hearing the recaps from like the AI perspective because you hear talk people talk about like um, modal uh, approaches to, mm-hmm. to AI now and LLMs, which are lar- large language models for, for those keeping score at home. Um, and it, it's almost kind of funny because it's like the early days of the internet when everyone was talking yeah. about like HTML versus CSS and like how you combine the two. And it's just like, honestly, no, no normal person gives a crap. Like yeah. nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: like what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, what can the technology combined yeah. with itself do for you? Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really the bigger question than I think people, um, like the nerds like ourselves are going to talk about, you know, how mm-hmm. it gets there, but once we start saying, but this is what it's used for, and it becomes invisible, the how to, the how becomes not a conversation. No one yeah. talks about HTML anymore, but mm-hmm. the entire internet still runs on yeah. this, you know, code base. Um, yeah, it'll well, be interesting to see that switch. I've been very already impressed with 2024 in that matter, um, and, yep. and watching even things like ChatGPT continue to grow. At the same time, I don't, I, mm. it's growing fast, but I have a lot of dumb arguments with Chat <laughs> <laughs> Like real dumb words. Like people are really afraid of like losing their jobs over this. And I get it. And at the same time, I've mm. like really fought. With ChatGPT, yeah. I'm like, why are you doing this? I said, don't do this. I've I have cussed out ChatGPT before. <laughs>
0: I don't cuss it out, but I was like, you can do better. Like one time, I did that thing. Like I'm paying you. <laughs> like I'm not paying yeah. ChatGPT. I'm paying you to get me blah 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 blah, and you're not doing it. Try better. Like do better. Like like. <laughs> so yeah, I always challenge it like that. But you know. We'll see. I never threaten it though. I don't cuss it out, and I never threaten it because if if it does become a Terminator situation, I don't want to come after me. So yeah. So Lee, I don't know. You might have a target on your back. I don't know. You know, if Terminator comes, what's new? What's new? (laughs) Well, actually, this leads me really good, really well into the the first the first part of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and it's the Apple Vision Pro, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Announcement mm-hmm. at CES, right? Um, they hacked the news. I love, I love how Apple does this every time at CES. It's like they're not really there, there, but they're there, right? Took over the news, you know, announcing pre-order January, uh, January nineteenth. Uh, Go on, sale, goes on sale, on sale on the US on February second. You know all the stuff, and started talk about the apps. I mean, January nineteenth has come and gone. It's it happened on mm-hmm. Friday. 8 a.m. I mean, I was literally in my computer, <laughs> 7.50 <laughs> in front of the computer. I was like, OK, just double check that the Apple Store app is updated. i you know, make sure everything's set for this. You know, it was like 7.59 um, p- 7. a.m. Eastern on January 19th. I log in and says, I will be right back. We're getting the Apple Store ready for the launch of Vision Pro. Right. A minute goes by, it gets refreshed and it's like, let's go off to the races. So I did the whole process. I actually recorded it and I shared it on social. But, you know, super easy, super simple. They did the whole face scanning, et cetera. How was that?
1: Um, walk, walk e- Super, easy. A, I mean, super yeah.
0: easy. I mean, super easy. I mean, I think many of us are not used to going through that extra step when we buy something. Um, but since, I ha- since I'm since i a developer and I had already tried the device, like we had done something similar. So to me, it wasn't anything, anything unusual, right? But it's just it really was, much a face scan.
1: Was that so, face scanning, could that have been done on any device, or did you absolutely have to have, like, the newest iPhone? I,
0: I Well, maybe not the newest iPhone, but you had to have the apps, the Apple Store updated for it so that to leads, do that. Yeah, that, so, that leads to the know. question of,
1: like, if you didn't have an iPhone, could you still get a no. Vision Pro? Really?
0: No, I don't think you could have. I, no. I mean, you could have done – I mean, some people – you could do it on an iPad or an iPhone because the instructions hmm. that have an iPad or an iPhone – with an updated um, version of the Apple Store. Last update was January 11th.
1: That's an interesting gate that I hadn't thought about.
0: You had to have that. So um, simple process. I grabbed the first appointment on February 2nd at the Apple Store in uh, Pentagon Row, which is the one closest to my house here in D.C. So, yeah, I mean, super easy. Then I went back to buy a couple more, and then that's when it started to get pushed not yeah. February 2nd it was not available anymore it was only for delivery after February 23rd into into March and no in person
1: so, so yeah the first batch fast. yeah the first batch sold out and when mm-hmm. i say first batch i mean the first batch of the 256 gig model mm-hmm. the 512 1 yeah. ter i think there's even like a terabyte model like the really high end models those didn't yeah. sell out immediately in fact i don't think they actually ever did sell out but the 256 yeah. sold out really quickly um which tells me a lot Mm -hmm. uh that that tells me kind of who might be buying it if you read between the lines look at the tea leaves um you know it seems like it's going to be a big developer tool this go around which is what it should be
0: it's what we expected right Mm -hmm. i think it's what we we expected expected, so yeah yeah
1: but the the online speculation is that they because of based on what they had said in the past that about eighty thousand units Sold in like fifteen minutes. That was that first batch of two hundred fifty-six, which is just an exorbitant amount of money. Um, in 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 a wild success. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I mean, we knew that was going to happen. I knew it was going to sell out fast. Um, yeah, yeah, they were super busy. Like literally, I was trying to text. I was trying to text with Apple Care, and they're like, "We're busy. We're busy." Like, wow, (laughs) like this is crazy. Um, so yeah, ended up buying. Mm -hmm.
1: They do the sale eight a.m. on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. Cupertino's here on the West Coast, and I'm just like, "Good Lord, y'all! You, could, you like, I thought you ran this through Pacific time. What are you doing here?" So by the time I woke up, it was long gone. Like oh, yeah. it, was, it might as. But well I have plenty of
0: day. developer friends on the East Coast, on the West Coast, that woke up at five, think, four, oh, five yeah. 55 whatever to buy okay, it. You know, like yeah. plenty of people. I, I ended up buying a couple for you know for myself and for a team I'm setting up. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, that being said though, you and I have had this conversation, the developing for the vision pro it does require a certain type of Mac does require certain mm-hmm. things, right. It does require, if you're using unity, it does require a certain type of license. Like I think that there's a lot of components here on, uh, you know, it's, it's you're going to, if anyone wants to develop for this, you're going to have to work with an actual developer. Right. right um, it's right. not as easy as like one, two, three, let's create this out of, you know, <laughs> out of pure air because it's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, in so, many cases where a lot of, like, even college students in their dorm room can come up with yeah. a clever, you know, iPhone app and and send it out, this is not going to be the no. case. Um, they would have to
0: have a lot of equipment. they got to have a lot of money. So maybe they're in Harvard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> MIT <laughs> or Harvard, maybe these kids can afford all the equipment they need for this. But, um, but I would say, you know, I did see um, some folks from Europe trying to buy it. Obviously, they couldn't. Or folks from Europe that were trying to buy it and send it to like one of those forwarding addresses in the U.S. Mm-hmm. that then sends it, they would get a message later saying, we, we're not doing that. Um, we're not sending to a forward ad- forwarded address. So very interesting that they were definitely keeping it in the U.S. Um, very exciting. I will say I, I, I through my LinkedIn, I did you know hear some things about how Apple is definitely setting up an education team. They're looking at enterprise, which I'm really excited about. I think that's a very mm-hmm. logical move having been an enterprise strategist at magic leap and worked on the enterprise side, that's definitely, you know, the way to go for, for this version one, you yeah. know, it almost feels like it, like the Oculus, you know, the <laughs> DK one days, it almost feels like that. This is like, who's <laughs> buying this thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. So it's interesting when you were looking at the coverage, I saw some news coming out like a couple of days before they were all negative of like, Oh, Netflix is not going to be on it. Or so-and-so yeah. is not going to be on it. I was like, who cares? Like literally <laughs> they're all doom and gloom. Like, Oh, you know, Spotify is not going to be on it. I'm like, who cares? Like literally this is not about the hardware. This is about the technology. This is about to unleash. And I don't know. What honestly, was your perspective?
1: I, here's the perspective I've not seen. And I've not uh-huh. seen this printed anywhere. This is a hundred percent Lee Keebler TM. Um, <laughs>
0: I can't steal it. Damn <laughs> The, the,
1: the stuff that I see people complaining about not being on the vision pro, yeah. there's an Apple or alternative yeah. that needs to catch up with those com- competitions. Right. So when you look at Netflix, not being available mm-hmm. on it, you can only get to it if you're going through a web browser. So there's not on the native app, blah, 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 blah. Okay. But. If I'm Apple, I'm pushing Apple TV, right? Yeah. Like that's going to be what I want to push here. If you're looking at, well, where Spotify? Spotify's not on it. Okay, well, Apple there's Apple Music, and Apple Music's not beating Spotify. So there's a lot of these uh, service, you know, digital service provider things that aren't being properly addressed by the masses. So I kind of feel like it's a little bit by design, uh, and, and maybe that's just me reading too far into it. But it is, it is every time I see something that's like, oh, this isn't on the list. I'm like, well, yeah, because Apple's pushing out a storefront that has a competitor that they want you to go to. So like, I can see the BD part of this where it's starting to make a little bit more sense. I do think all of these apps will eventually migrate. Oh, to 100%. Like,
0: there, there will be no choice. Happen. And this is right. where it gets interestingly. In the conversation I was having in Davos with a C-suite person, I said, look, People are so obsessed about the hardware, and I am because I'm like I'm first, I'm an like, you know, early adopter. I'm going to buy this. Like I'm going to use this. This is important to me, right? But it's not about the hardware. It's about the technology. It 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 kind of unleashes into the world and it enables. Mm-hmm. And this is what people are not thinking through. It's like yes, this is Apple Vision Pro version one. There's going to be version two. There's going to be version three. And there's going to be an iPhone 16 one day. And there's going to be an iPhone 17. And the more you sure. get these devices, the more spatial capabilities they're going to have. So this is all part of an ecosystem. Apple's going to make this all into an ecosystem. So mm-hmm. once you start to think about an iPhone 16 that has more spatial capabilities, right? Cuz the the 15 Pro Max already does spatial video. Okay? You can right. shoot spatial video. Like you can't really see it, but you're going to see it in your Vision Pro. But once you think iPhone 16 or 17, whatever, like once those devices start to have more spatial capabilities, then your install base grows exponentially. And that's where brands right. are going to be like, "Oh, I get it. This is about this 3D centric form of computing, right? Mm -hmm. That's where Mm -hmm. it gets interesting. And that's where I think a lot of people are not getting, this is, you know, this is not about developing only for the vision pro it's about developing spatial content, understanding spatial data and kind of where things are going. So yeah. So if, if people are just, and it was interesting, I'll tell you another thing, a conversation I had, someone said, what is the the biggest misconception? I said. If your AI strategy only includes LLMs and you're not thinking beyond that into what a new form of computing has to do with AI, then you're only focusing on this part of the equation, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not thinking broader, um, just like, you know, when people, mobile computing was around the corner, you know, most people weren't even thinking about it. This is, this is that revolutionary and it's not, it's not about the Apple Vision Pro. The Apple Vision Pro is an amazing device, but it's about spatial computing. So um so yeah Any well, Apple
1: Vision Pro is the the it's still like I'm with you it's still the first step in mm-hmm. into this it's I keep reminding people you didn't have an iPhone 1 yeah. I don't, I know one person who had an iPhone 1 mm-hmm. and they were a developer right like <laughs> you just like it was less yeah. than a year before in the, before the 3G came out and that was the one everyone had mm-hmm. the iPad was the exact same way you didn't have an iPad 1 the first mm-hmm. iPad it launched with, everyone had to get it so they could mm-hmm. adapt their apps to a different screen size, right? Different yeah. re- resolution. And then everyone had an iPad 2. That was the one everyone got in line with. Um, you know. So we're seeing the exact same uh, gameplay, and it's a gameplay that works. It's a playbook that absolutely is is perfectly written. And you can tell when you go and you compare the marketing that they're doing for the Vision Pro, and you compare it to the marketing they did for the original iPhone, and yes. they are in sync. They are point for point the exact same commercial updated for new hardware so if you're paying attention and you know the lineage and you know your history here you can see exactly where this is going which leads me to unfoundedly predict that in less than a (laughs) year we will see a new apple vision air pro 2 i don't know what they'll call it right Uh, i do hope that they don't make it out of glass and metal because that will lighten it up a little bit and, <laughs> and help with some of the weight but other than that like i i would be thrilled to see that 1600 1700 yeah. maybe even 1800 Device. model come out um that that makes sense for everyone yeah. i don't think it will be cheaper ever than like an iphone max. Like there's, so we're going to be in that probably $1,500 range if not 1800 but, uh, it, you know, we'll, we'll see something change in a year.
0: Yeah. And I also think phone, the phone is going to get more sophisticated and you're going to start to close that, you know, to me, it's like communication device and compute device. Eventually it all goes into one single thing. Right. Um, right, right. so, so yeah, I mean, super interesting, yeah, I love seeing the naysayers. And then I hear a lot of people on LinkedIn like, uh, special computing is the new metaverse. I'm like, no, you're not getting it. You're not, this is not about a hype okay. technology. This is literally a new computing platform. Like, it, it's not only hardware, it's not only one thing. Like, I don't know. It's been really interesting to see kind of those types of haters and naysayers. And I'm just kind of, I'm just well, holding my breath. It's, I'm like, come on. It's people.
1: strange because even like the metaverse didn't, like, it's not like the metaverse went away, right? No, like, no, it's, no, just no. it's just becoming part went away. of every day. The hype went away, so. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the speculation, the speculation, I mean, you know, the speculative
0: nature of it. Yeah.
1: But if yeah. you're thinking that, like, all of a sudden people aren't playing multiplayer games and, like, living their lives online, like, you're out of touch. <laughs> you're I can't, completely this is not out of a podcast touch. For I you. agree. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, uh, yeah. So a lot of people are like, oh, this is that. I mean, other than things like, I mean, we obviously have seen, like, a crypto winner and, like, NFTs took a major hit. Like, okay, yeah, that was that.
0: Hype, that yeah. I, and I, I'll down. be honest, like, I've, like, I'm no longer in that game. Like I'm really no longer in that game. I've sold most of my NFTs. I believed it though. Like I really drank the Kool-Aid at some point. I really thought like there's something here. I think there's something with putting things on chain to you know to prove ownership and provenance. Um but yeah, like yeah, I don't know.
1: I'm you know what it know. is? I'm disappointed because I, well, one, I was never on the NFT yeah. board. You and I got into so many arguments about that. <laughs> you know, I've divested myself from those for... <laughs> all those
0: speculative assets. But yeah, you and I had many conversations. I was like, no, but it's real.
1: What is real to me, and I do believe this is the idea of like decentralized networks. Yes. Um, and I think that there is a part of the future where that is very deep and very real. Uh, that's the part that I'm excited about. That's the part that I'm looking forward to. Um, and I, that's the part I feel like has not actually been leveraged. It kind of like the concept of a decentralized network that can store assets, mm-hmm. kind of spread all over the universe, really. Um, well, digital universe. Digital, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's something that I think is in the future. And just it got hijacked by... Crypto
0: bros. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> Crypto Bros. Let's be honest. Yes.
1: And also it. they it's also it. hijacked
0: the term metaverse because all of a sudden everything wasn't like I was like, wait, what? Um yeah. I don't know. It was interesting. It was really interesting. Um anyway, I, I Davos I did see a big, still a big presence of blockchain. I mean Hedera was there. I there think there's a lot of blockchain still in Davos. There's so. a
1: use case for it. Yeah, it's yeah. just not necessarily a bunch of cryptocurrency tokens. Um there it the blockchain is boring. It should be boring. It's a back of it's a background technology. It's a stinking ledger. And when has anyone ever been excited about a ledger? Yay! Right. It's always confused me that that blockchain was like this big thing. And it was only running a hype train because there was a way to shuffle tokenization into making money and monetizing off of that in a very rapid and quick and fa- quick fashion. But the underlying technology, I am excited no, about. Yeah,
0: no, I agree with you. Like underlying the underlying blockchain technology, I think, is really important. And I think in the age of AI, it'll be even more important. That web three under underlying technology architecture. Absolutely. So um, okay, cool. So yeah, I mean, Apple Vision Pro, bad or future. To me, future, not so much the hardware. It doesn't mean everyone's gonna be wearing one of these next year. Um, you know, I just think. Spatial computing is here to stay. It's about to change human-to-human interaction, human-computer interaction. We're at the beginning, right at the beginning of, of a new computing platform. Um, so, you know, anyone that's building in this space is is doing, to me, is doing really exciting work.
1: It's, it's the future because I've learned never to bet against Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they've not had a fail, like, truly, they've yeah. not had, like, a failed device since the nineties that I can think of Um, if they have, they've done a great job of covering it up and wiping everyone's memory. Uh, Mm -hmm. They got those men in black flashy things. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's, it's it's gone. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, how like their, their UI and like how it actually functions, like what part of that is fad in future? Because I'm a little, I'm a little stuck on how much of it is flat content floating in front of you. Um, you know they seem gung-ho of like they've got an idea here and until I interact with it I can't say like it's for me or not so I think I'll tell you that it's for you
0: I can't tell you more than that but
1: really okay yeah. I okay. think there's gonna
0: be some fun things you're gonna explore in there. I
1: like this I like this dynamic of like you know something I don't know <laughs> right that's a fun dynamic for me <laughs>
0: <laughs> well pretty soon I mean come February 2nd maybe you'll go to an Apple store and get a demo Uh yeah I don't know it's I'll tell you, like, it's a very impressive device. It's not for everyone. And like I said, it doesn't mean everyone's going to be wearing one of these things next year. Um, but it's the beginning of something. So, I mean, I'm even like, I'm, I'm heading over to Mobile World Congress in February, doing a keynote on spatial computing and the future wearables um, and AI, AI and wearables, kind of where this is going. I think that there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of interest
1: that- brewing. Let me ask you this. You know, the Quest 3 has a fair... I mean, they have a broad target audience, target market, but they have a very, like, honed-in, purchasing, like, active target audience right now. And a lot of it is Gen Z, maybe even Gen Alpha. Um, And it's got a really, like, favorable price point. They've got a ton of video games. It is definitely a gaming device as opposed to a working device, no matter how badly Meta wants that to be seen differently. Do you think that the Vision Pro can like co- like healthily coexist or do you think it's going to get competitive
0: I think it's going to coexist until meta doesn't really bring us like the glasses that they've been talking about like the C- the CTO um Bosworth um Andrew Bosworth Bos <laughs> um actually mentioned that they had they have a prototype of glasses that he thinks it's the most advanced piece of hardware that we have created as a species <laughs> that's quite a thing to say that's a um, statement that's a statement i think they're going to un- they're going to show it Show it somewhere in 2024, um, you know, it might be just one prototype. I don't know how many they have. Right. But I think that once you get to that level, then yes, you start competing. Right now, to me, the MetaQuest does not compete with the Apple Vision Pro because they're very different pieces of hardware. This is different hardware. Like this is not.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, they don't. In my perspective, they don't compete. They're They're different things. They're, you know, they use some of the same technologies, but they don't compete. There's, yeah, there's no. Oh, I mean, I
1: think that it's healthy to have like choice, mm-hmm. and and to see. You know, I'm not I'm not necessarily ready to say like, oh, the Oculus Quest is like the the Android phone of no. of mobile device, you know, or anything like that. I think it has a, a very distinct like use case, and and want to see that continue to grow alongside. Uh, Vision Pro, yeah. you know, and we have Samsung coming out with their own yeah. competitive hardware as well. Uh, and I'm excited to see what they come up with because they, they normally will push the hardware side of things pretty deep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you've got a lot of different hardware. Like I said, there's is a lot of transitional equipment, a lot of propositions and you know, the MetaQuest can coexist with the Apple Vision Pro, with the R1, with the Humane AI. pin. Like, they can all coexist. They're all different versions of this transitional equipment trying to figure out how to replace computers and phones, right? It's going to take time. It's not going to happen right now. So it's all going to coexist. They're, you know, they're to me, they're different propositions of, of different things. But um, totally. And I still love the MetaQuest. So, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's a great piece of hardware, really fun, uh, you know very very fun um i just think it doesn't really get competitive until later but eventually yeah yeah, eventually it's going to be you know competing i think
1: they're going to struggle with like another quest pro Mm -hmm. with with oh yeah no i don't think that they have the market i
0: mean because they even when they had oculus for business like that wasn't really their focus and now they have meta quest for business i guess but like they've never really been super hyper focused on enterprise so I don't they know. have
1: a really interesting platform for it. If if development could kind of like be ex- have some exponential growth behind it, the the Quest MetaQuest for Business platform is pretty neat uh in the sense that you can utilize it with a headset, or you can send links and use it on like a desktop and things like that. Uh, it's just one of those things that while I've been impressed with the underlying technology, it's just not been touted. It's never been. Uh, it's it's hasn't been, been, been it hasn't been their
0: focus. Yeah. It really hasn't been their focus. No. Um. Yeah. And I mean, that being said, it's interesting because during this whole conversation when I'm at Davos, um, a few people that know me there, like we're like, oh, you worked with Magic Leap. Did you hear the news that they just got an investment? Uh, I think it's another 500 million from um, from uh, from Saudi Arabia, I think from PIF. I'm not sure who, who was the funding from. Um, but it's interesting is that no one's talking about Magic Leap per se. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, it's sad. It's such a great like the the Magic Leap 2, great piece of hardware amazing. Like for me, they were the original, there were some of the original, like one of the original spatial computing pioneers. And they've moved away from the words spatial computing. They're using AR. And I'm like, this is more than interactive, like interactive augmented reality. Like I wish Mm -hmm. they would have stuck with the word spatial computing, not thought that, you know, they couldn't use it because Apple was using it. They should have been like, we have been doing this since 2017, 2016 or whatever. Right. Um, yeah as far I as
1: I know there's not like a trademark on spatial computing no, by Apple. anyone They've just can decided use it. to use anyone yeah. can.
0: even meta I mean Bosworth and, and Zuckerberg you have used the term spatial computing it's a computing yeah. term right um so yeah it, it was interesting because a few people were like oh they just see the magic leap news I'm like oh what what happened um so you know congratulations to magic leap for you know raising some some more cash and and stuff I mean I still know people that work there um there's some really amazing professionals that work there still so you know, that, that is one company that, you know, I, I've, i will always miss that job. That's one job I will always miss. I loved <laughs> yeah. working there when I was there, but granted it was a, a different magic leap than it is right now. So.
1: Well, I think, you know, if, if we can keep pushing all of these things forward, it's I'm, I'm hoping for a, uh, what's that saying? Uh, all tides rise our yeah. ships or something like that, you know, like, there, there's a future out there if you can make a product that does a thing that people absolutely need as, as a solution. Um, and if it doesn't fall into that solution category, okay, well, they'll, maybe some pieces will get eaten up into other areas. But I do think that there is a space needed for the non-pass-through version of AR, right? Because right now, as you look at the Quest yeah. 3 and as you look at the Vision Pro, you're still looking through cameras to your surrounding areas as opposed to a one-to-one. Uh, I can't imagine um, certain like manufacturing and construction areas just being able to rely on that cast- that. Yeah, pass through from a camera. Um, although I'm sure it's incredibly impressive on the Vision Pro. Uh, you well, know, oh, yeah, but there's just still, there's still a question of it.
0: peripheral vision, which I remember we used to yeah. hit. We talk a lot, a lot of Magic Leap, like when you're doing something in enterprise, when you're on the manufacturing floor, like you need to make sure you have access to a peripheral vision, right? Yeah, um, that yeah. yeah. So if you have a full on, fully immersive situation, like that peripheral vision goes out. You know, there's well, no look in any device, vision,
1: so. any device that relies on cameras for your pass through. Yeah. If it for whatever reason crashes you're going to be blindfolded the screen will turn off and you will be in the dark Mm -hmm. right whereas you know and that might not be a that might be a safety concern for a lot of like practical applications for ar when it's used inside of a more um uh careful you know environment and situations like uh anything like like the Mm -hmm. The, the Magic Leap or, or even um, I think there's some other stuff coming up from, from Samsung that's going to be kind of like that as well, where you have a direct pass through. I would rather be wearing that if I'm mm-hmm. in an environment that needs fast response, because if yeah. something goes wrong and that system yeah. turns off, I don't want to be blindfolded. I need to be able to see everything in my surroundings. But it's a very specific use case. Mm-hmm. But those use cases do make money.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you already have like I am based in D.C., so I live, you know, relatively close to a place called Fort, Fort Belvoir where they have all the IVAS, um, mm. the Microsoft Mixed Reality HoloLens project with the army and stuff. And they do a lot of the a lot of the work there on that, um, you know, and as much as everyone keeps saying this has died, it hasn't. They're still working on it. They're still thinking about, you know, how this works for, for soldiers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that continues. And talking about that a little bit, I'll tell you this. So Alex Kipman, who used to be at Mixed Reality at Microsoft, um, and there there was some controversies there, I have to say, um, but he has announced at Davos the launch of a company called Analog, which is an uh, edge computing AI company that talks about understanding people, places, and things. Um, so I still try to need to dig a little bit deeper into Ale- what Alex is doing, but I think we're going to start to see... A lot of different propositions that of people that understand the technology and understand how AI and mixed reality kind of merge together into this new form of computing. So, um, so yeah, really interesting, really interesting conversations and, and things that I'm seeing from from Davos that I think you know. I, I wonder what Davos is going to look like next year. So, um, you know, I have a feeling, I have a feeling that spatial computing is going to be not the main topic. I don't think we're there yet, but it's going to be a little mm-hmm. bit more interesting for the Davos crowd. All right, we're going to go on break, and when we get back, we'll continue talking about some of the news that's our, that are happening in tech and our dispatch from the fridge. So let's go on break.
2: Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear
1: and t-shirts are super soft.
0: Right uh, now that we're back, let's go into some more news uh, related to gaming. So it looks like the most popular, <laughs> the be- best-selling game uh, of last year was not Call of Duty, and it wasn't nope. any type of like rock band game. It was actually Hogwarts Legacy. Right, that's the name of the game. I've never yeah, played yeah. it. I've never played it, but I know it's huge with certain people. Some people are obsessed with it. Um, yeah, have you played it? Like. What are your thoughts? Uh,
1: I've, I've, I haven't. Uh, my wife has. Um, I, I played. We played it a little bit on the Switch. Um, so typically, if I'm not playing a game like on a PC, I mean, I've got an Xbox, but for some reason, I actually don't use it that much. Uh, we play a lot of Switch games, uh, mostly. Um, and so, what happened was, it originally came out for PC, then it came out for consoles, and then it was forever. And then it released for the mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch. Because, I mean, really, it's a huge game. It's an open world of Hogwarts and it's got these amazing graphics and it's kind of like you live in Hogwarts. Uh, then they decided they were going to make this ridiculous goal of rela- launching it on the Nintendo Switch, which is still an underpowered tablet from 2017, right? Like, it is just. But that
0: might change this year.
1: That may no, change. James that's a, different, that's what that's I'm a different conversation. I've heard the <laughs> same episode. whispers as a different episode. And uh, like in, in perfect Nintendo fashion, they are tight-lipped with just kind of like head nods of like, yeah, that's an interesting thing that you've just said. I'm not saying anything. You just never know because... We all thought we were getting an updated Switch and then the Switch OLED came out and they all they did was update, yeah. update the screen and we're just kind of like scratching our heads of like, we don't need like a new console. We just need something that's not an... The Nintendo Switch was underpowered when it came out in yeah. 2017, so really we're looking at like a 2014, 2015 level uh, <laughs> uh, tablet. That it, and all of a sudden we've got to like port these massive games like Hogwarts Legacy. Um, the one I was really impressed with was No Man's Sky. The fact that they even got that game working on the Nintendo Switch was absolutely bonkers. But Hogwarts Legacy was had an interesting rollout, and I think that that really led to it's massive sale, right? Mm-hmm. So it is one of those things like uh, Harry Potter fans are their own <laughs> beast, right? Like they, they, they're, they're a huge group of people. Um, I'm married to one. I, I didn't grow up really in the Harry Potter. I was a teenage mutant Ninja Turtles kid, so I didn't know anything about Harry Potter. Like I, that just wasn't my thing. Uh, I know way too much about it now. Um, and, and, and so it was one of those things where I kind of have I've I've adopted into it. Uh, you know, you, you marry into the Harry you Potter You marry
0: into group. Are you Ravenclaw? <laughs> You're giving me Ravenclaw vibes. Uh, okay, no, I'm, I'm Slytherin. Like no. I took the I'm test. I'm Slytherin too. Oh, okay. I, um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, my wife's Ravenclaw. I'm definitely Slytherin. yeah and, I've got, whenever a, I've I got tell a couple people that
0: Ravenclaws and Hufflepuffs at home, uh but I'm Slytherin all the way. My my youngest daughter and myself were Slytherin, so yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And and like when I tell people that they're like, "Oh yeah, that checks." Like people checks. really spend like a lot of time, they're like, "Okay, yeah, I can I can see it." Yeah, like, what does that even mean? How does that? I don't know. What this okay, fine. So,
0: <laughs> Anyone sure, that's listening to this and, and is like a podcast. Their head like they'll you know, they will get it like they'll understand. Um, yes, but yeah. Like, but it
1: did. It sold 22 million copies last amazing.
0: year. That's amazing. They sold 22
1: I mean, million. Now, a big part of that is the fact that like it actually is now available on just about any console you can think of, yeah. right? So it, it's not one of these gated properties that takes you know a chunk of the market out of the equation. So if you have it on PC, you can play it on PC, you can play it on Xbox, you can play it on whatever. Mm-hmm. Now you can play it on Nintendo Switch. You, you can almost play it on a cereal box, right? Like it's it's one of those things where it's it's available everywhere and there's just enough of a of a group of fans that really want it. And it is an impressive game. Technologically speaking, it is mm-hmm. incredibly impressive uh and um if you're a Harry Potter fan, it's kind of like, well, you, know, you got you, this is the game you are looking for because now you can run around Hogwarts and you, you're a wizard.
0: <laughs> awesome! So, speaking about other other news in gaming, you've got Minecraft partners, partnering with the BBC Studios, um, which I didn't
1: doing. know. They, this is the second time they've done this. Um, they don't do
0: this very often. Like Minecraft, I didn't know they had ever done, done it. This Mojang was news to partner me. Partner easily, like yeah, I've tried. Trust me, I've tried with a lot of the companies and brands I've worked with. Not easy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, happy but to it's see their Canada.
1: planet earth experience. Planet They're kind earth of like experience. bringing mm-hmm. that documentary that everyone loves so much into Minecraft to be an educational experience yeah. for, um, for the players. And it's just such a perfect combo oh, yeah. to meet a new generation where they are. Right. Mm-hmm. And it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, I, I love seeing, um, an organization like the BBC do this because what it tells me is they understand as a broadcast company. Yep how to broadcast, and it's not necessarily television. And this is what I wish more broadcast teams yeah. could get behind, um, this very linear idea of, like, we shoot content, we deliver content in this format. You got to get that crap out of your head. It doesn't yeah. work like that anymore. Um, and, and it's really interesting to see the BBC to go to Minecraft and treat it like a broadcast device. Yeah.
0: I mean, brilliant move. I, I think we're going to see more yeah i think the people the the executives that get it are starting to understand this is a, you know this is another way to communicate it's the communicating with a you know a very big audience right yeah,
2: um yeah. i said
0: that at dld i literally said gaming is everyone for everyone that's like from the ces uh, keynote that they had in the trends um but yeah like it, if you're not paying attention to gaming like you don't understand a massive amount of people that are gamers um in the amount i mean it's what eight times bigger than hollywood or something it's bigger than hollywood and music combined like yeah. why aren't we giving gaming the respect it deserves um you know baffles me like i want to well, see again, more gaming content i want to see more gaming conversations at davos i want to see more of that like i don't know
1: if you if you compare and i and i'm uh, davos is an impressive i'm not this isn't a dig at davos okay mm. Let me be clear but it's not the that. crowd
0: it's not, it, like if I were to ask that audience who here is game our gamers, it's probably going to be for cats, you know, like raising this, their hands. This time, so, this, this
1: time, this time, yeah, this time. But as the guard changes, that yes. will change, right? And like that's just the natural progression of things. But if you want to look at like where a, a location where ideas get exchanged and where like there's a lot of potential money, if you even take what happens at Davos and compare it to something like Comic Con, mm-hmm. Comic Con stomps Davos. Oh yeah, like. It it like it, it is a bigger platform. It is, and, and that's not to to dilute the value of Davos at all. It's just saying like it is an apples to oranges thing, and it is a massive market. And there's a ton of people who are not only investing in it, but investing their time, their own mm-hmm. interests, and their own businesses. Um, it, anyone who's not giving it credit, they're on the way out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't understand that, how things are happening now, and now. I, I can't really get into details, but I will share this. Um, basically, there were rumors that a very famous YouTuber was going to show up at Davos. And I was really excited. I was really hoping that they they were going to show up. I mean, I, I would have been the coolest mob if they would have shown up. Because um, I was at an event that, that you know, they, they would have been at. And uh, later on, I found out that um, actually the, the police, um, the local police, uh, actually told them not to come. Because from a security standpoint... Uh, even though that's a super secure area, there's like snipers, like super, I mean, when you're in there, like super secure area, like, because all the heads of state, all these important politicians, like all important government, like, um, you know, CEOs, like this could not be safer, right? Yeah. Um, but they yeah. actually asked him not to come because they couldn't control that level of attention or that amount, mass, amount of massive crowds that tend to yeah. follow this person, right? That is beyond their capability because he literally would have been the most famous person in the world that would have been there. Um, so I think that says a lot about, you know, things are changing mm-hmm. and shifting as to who is considered, uh, you know, a, a force, really a force of a force to be reckoned with within within a world perspective, a global stage. Um, so that to me was enlightening. I was like, wow.
1: Well, what was the conference? I was I was at a uh, uh, a YouTube style. What was that conference? Didn't you go, go to California? VidCon? I went to, yeah, I went yeah, to VidCon. That's VidCon? The one I was thinking of. Yeah, Yeah, you yeah. were in the hotel so with that- all the
0: TikTokers.
1: Yeah. I did not belong there. Um, I had no idea what was going on, but I will say VidCon was the only, it was the only conference I had been to where I had a moment where I was actually afraid for my life. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Are you serious? You didn't tell me this. No, I don't think I did tell you this. Because
0: you actually, I Um, asked you to go because I couldn't go and I was like, Lee, can you take over this panel?
1: There, there was a moment where I was on, I was at VidCon. I was inside, this was in Anaheim at their conference center. I was on the second floor. Uh, and so I had a couple of like escalators. I went down to the main floor. I was no higher, higher up than that. You can, you can get quite a few floors up and still see the main floor. And I'm walking through and then I heard blood curdling screams, just like pandemonium. And I honestly thought there was like a, an attack or an event or something. Because it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like, it didn't sound joyous. It did not sound oh my gosh. pleasant. It was, my heart sank. I lost my blood pressure and I thought, where's the nearest exit? I need to get out of here. And then all of a sudden security came. I didn't realize how many how much security was in this building, oh, but yeah. they like cl- crawled out of the vents like like it was diehard. Um, like they were just everywhere all at once. And so I'm with uh, one of our coworkers who's younger than I am and she's looking over the edge and she's starting to freak out. So I get nervous. And then she looks at me. She's like, what's wrong with you? You look white as a ghost. I'm like, what is happening? Do I need, where's the exit? Do I need to get out of here? And she goes, no, Mr. Beast just showed up. I had no earthly idea. Like I knew Mr. Beast was big. Like, that's fine. That's fine. When I say this place went insane, I was scared to Death, it was it was beyond Beatlemania, right? You see like yeah. all of the old black and white footage of Beatlemania and like people in the crowds and they were just crying and blah, 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 blah. I could deal with that. I've seen that. You see all of the fandom around Taylor Swift showing up to a Chiefs game or whatever. I can deal with all of that. When I tell you this place went to the ground, I'd never seen anything bigger than Mr. Beast walking into the VidCon uh show or uh, conference center. Um, and that's when it hit is like This is, this is definitely the future of fandom to a level that made me feel old because I couldn't understand it.
0: Old and scared. (laughs) (laughs) Old and scared. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to send you back to VidCon. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to put you up in the Marriott again where all the TikTokers are and like, there's no selfies allowed and. Yeah, that's like a whole I did other. like
1: that. I liked that. You I liked like that? being in that hotel because there was no one who was allowed to take photos. So like that was kind of really nice and refreshing. It was like <laughs> no one had their phone out taking like pictures and stuff. So Because that's where I, when I, I, I go, like that's
0: that. where I stay. So I was like, here you go, Lee. Here's the hotel. Um, all right. Another gaming news. Tar- uh, so Vegas, Las Vegas, by the way, where the Super Bowl is going to happen soon. And um, I will, I will side as a side note here. I'm a huge Usher fan. Huge. I mean, I love Usher. Cuz I'm from yeah, Atlanta. Yeah. Like Atlanta's home, Usher's part of like A-Town. Like I uh, yes, like the ATL. We love Usher. Uh well, at least I do, right? So I'm like super pumped about the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm like I can I can't wait to have to see little John and Ludicrous and like you know, all the Atlanta people um so I'm super pumped. I'm playing a lot of Usher at the house, the clean version. It's going to be
1: 2006 all over Oof. again. Can't wait.
0: Yeah, I'm like super <laughs> into it and everything. And then my my daughter, my 13-year-old Gen Alpha daughter says, you know what, mom? We were talking about the halftime show. And my friends and I and like everyone in the class just don't think Usher's famous. We actually wish someone else was doing the, <laughs> the halftime show. And it's like only the old people are excited. And I'm mm. like, oh my gosh, honey! i was like, well, us the old people have the money to go to the Super Bowl, and we're excited well, yeah, about. Yeah, that's Usher. a good
1: point, right? Like, what <laughs> yeah. is the core demographic of person who's supposed to watch the Super Bowl? I do think the the NFL might have a problem here because I don't see a lot of uh, younger people being that interested in you know football or even like televised sports for that matter in except for in the rare instance in which you know taylor swift said chiefs game in which case they're all about it they're all Um. about it
0: because it's taylor um (laughs) but yeah like i was like oh my like literally like i was like oh my gosh my excitement i'm so excited about usher and she's like yeah i don't know mom we don't just don't think he's famous that you old you old people are excited about it and then my son I, i was like so what do you think about usher doing the halftime show he's like i don't know my friends and i think we wish it was kind of eminem but didn't he just do that in LA or something? I was like, yeah, honey, Eminem was part of the LA show. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting. And what's
1: crazy about that is Eminem has somehow stayed with its with relevance and they are from the same generation of yeah. music, right? Like but he's in Fortnite. He's in
0: all these sorts of things yeah. and they're all singing, mm-hmm. you know, um, all the songs. Like they literally and that's the difference. When
1: was the last time that you saw like Usher do something in Fortnite or Usher do something inside of Roblox, right? Like that, there's a reason mm-hmm. that these groups do this especially when they're on that cusp of needing the second generations of, of fans yeah and that's when it hits right um and, and i think that's a big part of how like elton john has stayed relevant right True. elton john did stuff in roblox and and for uh, a guy who's and he's partnered with dua expanded... lipa
0: like yeah, the songs right. you've remixed them with dua lipa he's and never Brady been Spears afraid and
1: right he's never been afraid of reaching out to the next generation wherever Mm -mm. that they are right and and that's what it kind of takes in this industry
0: yeah so i'm eager to see what happens with the with usher but i love usher um so yeah and i won't get into it but then my youngest daughter also this weekend tells me she loves pickleball she's like she loves pickleball like she loves just like they're playing it at school well
1: that that lead like, that does oh. lead us to uh, the conversation of Atari, um, yes. b- who created Pong, which is really just Pickleball, if you think about it. Uh, yeah,
0: it's very it's, primitive it's a basic... version of Pickleball. Well, yes. <laughs> 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 and what is so, the news? Share the news, because it's a really so funny exciting So there's,
1: there's this conversation about an Atari-themed casino resort in Las Vegas. Um, and I'm, okay, so here's the thing. Anyone who really knows me knows I'm a massive Atari fan. I, uh, I'm i an Atari collector. Um, I'm in that weird group of people who still has a working Atari. I've got like multiple so working crazy. Ataris. Um, and and I, I really do like those games. Uh, back in 2017, I did a TED Talk about virtual reality and kind of coined this conversation of back then making Uh, Your games with the Atari approach meaning making them as simple to play as possible because you have a generation of people who don't you're blindfolding people and giving them multiple button controllers. And if you want to do enterprise virtual reality, you need to be able to give it to somebody who it's as simple to use as a joystick and a single button. Um, That was actually the that was my entire formula for the success that I had in enterprise VR. Uh, So when I see an Atari themed casino and resort in Las Vegas, I get super excited and now Atari's, for those who are not paying attention, uh, Atari's actually been making a lot of moves in the last two or three years. Um, they've had new hardware out. They've put out new video game consoles. Uh, they've put out, they've actually bought a couple of companies. One of them being one of my favorite companies, uh, called Atari age that still mm. puts out original Atari cartridge games by people who like
0: oh, home fantastic. code
1: new games and stuff like that. So it is definitely an underground group thing. Um, but it, it's, global, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this this underground culture. But Atari owns a lot of intellectual property, and it is passed through a many hands. Atari got sold to CBS, then CBS decided that they weren't going to go forward with it, and they sold to the next guy into the next guy. At one point, it went to a company in France who tried to do an, a token called pong or something like that yeah, I, don't remember, I remember uh, there was that a i did something with their
0: ceo once yeah
1: yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. it i believed it changed hands one more time and the people who have it now really believe in the brand as a gaming mm-hmm. brand um and they do own a lot of actual intellectual property like they own the ip behind uh games like breakout um mm-hmm. fun fact breakout was pro uh was originally programmed by steve jobs um, wow. Yep. It was, Steve Jobs was the the writer for Breakout for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Secretly, it was actually programmed by Steve Wozniak, who was let in the back door by Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs didn't know how to program. Um, so Steve Wozniak Yeah, I was going to say, when you <laughs> said that, I was like,
0: how did Steve Jobs do this? Because I don't
1: So Steve know. Jobs got the job as the developer for for Breakout with Atari and they never hired Steve Wozniak. They didn't know he was
0: there. He's the one that doing all the and work. he's the one who actually did all of
1: the work. So there's just some, that's your OG uh, strategy <laughs>
0: trivia
1: for you. But like Missile Command and Adventure, um, mm-hmm. they, they own a lot of these these things that they that brand still owns so i think it's a kind of a nice little reach out it atari is a gen x brand for sure maybe a little bit of millennial i'm a millennial and i've got just because i had hand-me-down consoles and stuff like that so when i see stuff like this it's a nice push of like bringing video games into las vegas which in my personal opinion has been struggling with bringing in a younger audience Mm -hmm. i think this is a nice nod in that direction this is actually type. Uh, type of idea of a hotel that i would actually go to that yeah. i that i'd, I'd want to go to um it sounds like a lot of fun
0: yeah no i agree with you and like i see with my kids like for example my son for his birthday wants the atari uh lego set
2: mm, yeah yeah cool he, set. He,
0: he got he did the nes one so he's got the mm-hmm. nintendo one and he saw that and he's like mom i really want this one because he, he like he had talked to his dad about atari and stuff so um so yeah i mean from a nostalgic perspective from an ip perspective from a gaming perspective could be really cool if that till actually happens i could i could see people like a certain generation flocking to it and if they can bring it back or like extend their ip further like mm-hmm. it just feels like everything like you know like with uh, five nights of Freddy's for example which is indie game right they did amazing this year with the movie movie like the second second fnaf is being you know is being produced like yeah. i feel like all this I- gaming ip is just taking over the world and uh and Atari has some really cool things that they could extend their IP into for sure. They so. they
1: definitely do. It'll be interesting to see what they pull off with this. I mean, mm-hmm. it's speculative right now, yeah. it's just a plan. We'll see as it you know progresses, but I think that there's a there there. You know, I would definitely know, there's there's there. something there's something that uh at least even attracts me. And I'm not the biggest Las Vegas fan. Yeah. So <laughs> if you can get me interested in it, I think you have a good idea. Like that's just <laughs> all
0: right. So gaming themed hotels. Future or fad?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) I'm going to say future, but that's because I think casino hotels in general are video games.
0: Good point. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Most people don't even realize like a lot of those slot machines, a lot of those like touch video games that are uh, casino games now in, in your Standard casino are just written in Unity. Um, yeah, okay. uh, you know it's and they're networked together, and that's how it works. Uh, so every time you know I see someone older who's oh, you kids just play video games, Barbara. but they go to the casino every day. I'm like, you're playing in the same engine. You're just playing yeah. a different game. This is
0: <laughs> your gaming it's just a different type of gaming. But yes, <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, so now moving on to another, uh, our last set of news, um, and we talked about this briefly about some of the closures, some of the layoffs. Um, you know, Friday night, I read that the store number eight team, um, the incub- it's an incubation uh, venture that um, Walmart had, uh, is closing down store number eight. And, you know, I have to say, I am personally very thankful to the people at store number eight mm-hmm. that believed in me and uh, brought me in as their metaverse advisor in residence. Um, I mean, that team really changed my my life in some ways because that's how my company really took off. Um, yeah. so, you know, I'm, I'm, really sad to hear that they're closing this, this part of, of, of Walmart, amazing team, amazing folks that that have worked there. And, um, I just want to wish that whole team, you know, a lot of success. They're brilliant minds. I'm sure they're going to find great roles. Um, but yeah, very sad to hear, hear that news. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's strange.
1: To, it's strange to see it, um, I, whenever you hear of a large company and like seeing like an innovation team mm-hmm. get, get cut, you just kind of have to scratch your head of like, well, what's the long game here? Right. Because it's not as if, uh, internal innovation goes away. Mm-hmm. You, uh, cause that's, that's a, that's a nail in the coffin if that's what you do. Right. Like you just can't allow for that type of, of, uh, research and development to just go to the wayside. Uh, yeah. where would, walmart be without the self-checkout lines without touchscreen innovations without you know proper security updates, blah, 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 blah. There's a ton of things out there. Yeah. And even what they're doing with, like, Walmart.com and their own web presence is yeah. brilliant. There's a lot of really smart stuff going on there. Um, and they've even got this partnership now with Unity where they're bringing in their 3D assets um, to have, like, an actual active storefront within video games, which is something that I'm a big proponent and mm-hmm. fan of. Um, and I, So I, that's that. I, I guess that's the question of, like, We'll have to wait and see, but I can't fathom them just not having an r and d sector.
0: What I read in the press release, right? what is said publicly is basically that they're incorpor- they that those functions were already incorporated into into the corporate side of Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I just you know, for me, like personally, I had such a great experience. Uh, store number eight really too, changed, really yeah. changed the trajectory of, of of my of my company. Uh, which I then, you know, sold to, to journey. So, um, so yeah, you know, I just wish everyone there, um, you know, I I hope that they're, they're okay and I hope that they get amazing roles. They're amazing people. So, so yeah, I just, you know, want to say that um, about them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's it. I think we're going to pick up uh, guest interviews, uh, expert interviews in February again. Um, Right now we're kind of a little slow on the start because I've been traveling and, and, you know, seems like a lot of people have been traveling too. So it's been hard to get, um, interviews scheduled. <laughs> everyone's,
2: yeah, everyone's just getting back about. on track,
0: or traveling, yeah. or you know, or maybe in a Airbnb without Wi Fi. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know. Um, now we can go to Lily from Dispatch, uh, who, our producer, who's going to do Dispatch from the Fringe, and we'll see, we'll see what she brings us this uh, this week. So, Lily,
3: hello, Kathy and Lee, welcome to this week's Dispatch from the Fringe. This week, I'm bringing you a story about a tool that can poison artificial intelligence it's called nightshade and it's from the university of chicago A team there created this program that addresses what they call power asymmetry in ai so what nightshade does is it transforms images into poison samples so that models training on them without consent will see their models learn unpredictable behaviors that deviate from expected norms For instance, if you have a prompt that asks for a Pegasus, a horse with flying wings, flying over the moon, instead you might get an image of an old beater car stuck in a big mud puddle. So use responsibly, this is from the Nightshade website. Nightshade can help deter model trainers who disregard copyrights, opt-out lists, and do not scrape slash directives, and the team has also created another tool called Glaze which is a defensive tool that individual artists can use to protect themselves against style mimicry attacks so there's Nightshade and Glaze and these are two new tools to help artists and people protect their work online from being used for training AI without consent and I thought this was a great story to share since last week Lee and I touched on what is art, what does generative AI make. Uh, Lee mentioned that he thinks generative AI creates content and images, and that we shouldn't really be using AI to create things that humans are good at, like art and imagery and poetry. And so I agree with him there. And I thought this was a cool story and. The battle over AI and what we're able to create versus what humans should do and the rights that we have of our art and content online. That's this week's Dispatch from the French.
0: All right, Lily, that was really interesting. Lee, what do you think? I'm just getting my bearings again here. Like, I'm like, what?
1: Yeah, this is this is an interesting concept. This idea of uh of of software that can kind of like fight against AI and protect art um and and protect uh people who want to protect their their work. Uh we'll see. Um
0: We'll see, it, right? <laughs> it feels a
1: little snow crashy to me. We'll see.
0: <laughs> a little snow crashy sprinkled in. I like it. Oh my gosh. But yeah, we'll we'll have to see what happens, but yeah, thank you Lily for Always finding <laughs> the strangest things uh, out there, but this is good. All right, so uh, any big plans for next week? For me, yeah.
1: Oh uh, yes, but none that I can talk about. There you go. Interesting. Yeah, talk, yeah. Talk,
2: talk. we'll talk uh, offline.
1: <laughs> no, I mean I can a little bit. I'm I'm as as we've alluded to before, and I can say more about it now. But we'll we'll talk about it later uh, as well. Um, last year, I wrote a novel that uh i wrapped up a couple of back in november yeah. and i'm like trudging through the process of uh the second draft uh so that that's eating up my month this in, any of my downtime uh so yeah that's kind of like
0: that's exciting though i'm super excited i can't wait for everyone to kind of actually eventually get in, you yes. know have it in their it's, hands because it's it's, it's it's a, a great piece
1: so it's wrapped in it's wrapped up to be kind of a very exciting sci-fi Yay. and uh, i'm 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 enjoying it Awesome.
0: Well, once you once you once it becomes a TV show, I would love to produce. Um- <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got it. You got it. I'm I'm just trying to find a publisher right
2: now. Oh no, I know, I know. I know. Like murder, bought <laughs> diary
0: situation. Like this is where it's going. Okay, Lee. Like seriously. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm staying in DC for a couple of days. I'm actually, going to the Booze Booz Allen Hamilton space and ai innovation event uh this week so very excited about that because you know i love space it's like one of those industries that i keep my eyes on that i know i'm going to do things in in the future and um so yeah going to that and um yeah just working on some transitions on the professional side and exciting exciting i'm going to say this february will be a very exciting month i'm really looking forward to february
3: all too. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be fun. Um, but yeah, thanks for everyone for listening to Tech Magic. Uh, we hope you're enjoying the show. Feel free to subscribe, leave us a review, and want to thank uh, you know all the listeners, all the sponsors, and Adweek as well for having our podcast on the Adweek Adweek Podcast Network. Uh, hope to see you all again t- uh, next week, and let us know if there's any stories you want us to cover or talk about, and we'll kind of uh, you know bring the tech and the magic to you. All right. See you next week.
2: Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation.